The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. From serving as a police officer with the LAPD to chief of police in America's most progressive and conservative cities to top prosecutor, Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon has reduced violent crimes in every leadership position he has held over his decorated 40-year career in law enforcement. Mr. Gascon has reduced racial disparities in the criminal justice system and has fought to end California's over-reliance on mass incarceration. Mr. Gascon has brought his data-driven reforms that are proven to enhance safety in the Los Angeles County. Good morning, George. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Vic. Good morning to you, too. So many of us were so excited to have a new chapter for Los Angeles and the district attorney's office. But of course, uh, you know, you can't uh, make everyone happy all of the time. So as a result of your very progressive and uh, courageous in a good way and daring in a good way, uh, changes that you have uh, implemented and are still trying to implement, there's always going to be some backlash. And, and the backlash is the, this sort of absurd recall election. Let me just ask you this just broadly. What do you think it's about? I mean, of course, I kind of said what I think, but uh, from your perspective, why is this happening? You know, I think there is a, a, a combination of things. I think that this is clearly a, a very uh, right-wing, uh, you know, many Trump supporters uh, are leading the charge here. You know, they're going after you know, progressive, they're going after Democrats, they're, they're trying to undo elections, you know, not only in L.A. County, but uh, but around the country. Um, and, you know, in this case, certainly in the case of progressive prosecutors, what we're seeing is a very consistent uh, message is that they really aren't, uh, aren't about, you know, public safety or the safety of our community is really more about, you know, continuing to be a, a very uh, carceral approach to the work, uh, high punishment levels. When you look at it, what they're, you know, the things that really uh, come down to is they, they want to continue to see the death penalty. They want to continue to see, uh, you know, us seeking life without the possibility of parole. They want me to put kids in adult prisons. Uh, they want to continue to use our jails to uh, incarcerate the, uh, you know, the, the houseless and the mentally ill. And, uh, and really, that's what it comes down to. There's nothing else there. Um, we have done a tremendous amount of work around community safety, uh, you know, taking a public health approach to dealing with violence, taking a trauma-informed approach to dealing with victims. They don't, they don't want to hear about any of that. You know, the, 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 the constant sound bites are, uh, you know, death penalty, kids going to adult prison, you know, those sort of things. So they continue 
to say, and when you look at the people behind it, certainly in my case, um, you know, the funding and the driving forces are very, very Republican-driven. You know, you have a guy named Jeff uh, Palmer, who is a real estate developer in L.A. County, uh, a, a Trump mega-donor, gave Trump about $2 million last year, puts a lot of money into Republican campaigns. We have uh, you know, a former uh, director of the Los Angeles Police Detective League and former city councilman, you know, a Republican, very right wing. We have a former district attorney of L.A. County, uh, a guy named uh, Steve Cooley, again, a very right wing Republican. And then you have, you know, the police unions and all some of the other usual suspects. So it's, it's very, very right wing driven. And then they, they are using some people that have been, you know, have been victimized um, that are seeking, you know, death penalty or very extreme punishments that are very traumatized and, quite frankly, in some ways almost abusing their trauma, which is, by the way, not representative of where most victims are. You know, poll after poll shows that about 60% of the victims actually want to see trauma-informed care for the victims, but they uh, and they also want to see rehabilitation, uh, you know, we put together a victim's advisory board with people that are real victims, people that have suffered, people have lost loved ones to street violence or police violence. They're advising our practice, and and then they attack those people and say, well, you're not a real victim. So it's just that, that viciousness yeah. about the uh, what is going on. Yeah, it's the, it's the establishment in fear yeah. of losing their privilege and their status quo. <laughs> so they're, uh, they're hitting back because yeah. uh, they don't want things to change. And yeah, I think you mentioned something like this and it's astounding to me that when you argue with them or at least debate with them, with numbers and data and info, um, they sort of like skip anything that's not supportive of their claim. Like the fact that we have you know, so many people on death row in California and how many hundreds of millions is spent uh, on them annually, and yet we still uh, don't want to realize that, uh, you know, capital punishment is just not the way to go. But, uh, you know, there's always going to be the minority that want to uh, keep a status quo and uh, claim that they are, you know, sort of like put people in fear by saying that if... Uh, if you don't have this sort of old school way of uh, dealing with law enforcement and uh, the district attorney's office that, uh, you know, your neighborhoods are going to be unsafe and your kids are going to be kidnapped and all this sort of just like this tactics that Donald Trump used very well for four years. And it's happening all over again. And unfortunately, you're not the only one in California. I think uh, the fact that California is such a solid blue does not sit well with uh, a lot of right-wing Republicans. And uh, it's sad, but it's uh, also our responsibility to publics to support elected officials like yourself who aren't really doing the work and don't just uh, talk about it during their campaign and it's not about rhetoric and sound bites, but you've gone in and you've really um, made some major changes that majority of the people are very happy with and yet so when it comes to something like this then we all need to support you and keep supporting you and, and just come out because there's so few people that are willing to put themselves uh, where you've put yourself to get this kind of scrutiny unfairly 
So with that, I want to ask you, like, where is this? What's the status of this recall campaign? What's happening currently? Yeah, you know, so uh, the uh, the organizers of the recall, uh, they're seeking signatures. Uh, interestingly enough, if you look, a lot of the places where they're collecting signatures are around gun stores, uh, bail bonds uh, offices, you know, very, very predictable Cliché. places. Um, but, you know, we're, we're seeing also a tremendous amount of misinformation in the signature gathering, you know, they will be telling people, uh, do you believe the victims of crime should be protected? Uh, and you say, yes, well, you should sign for this recall. You know, they, they, that, that's basically the, the, the approach that they are, they're taking. Um, and, you know, and unfortunately in some communities, you know, obviously the misinformation people, you know, people will say, of course I want the victims of crime to be protected. Um, and what we have seen is we have seen uh, small cities around the county, generally in the very conservative areas where you have uh, Republicans in, in the city council or you have members of law enforcement in the city council or family members of member law enforcement, uh, you know, they're, they're going uh, without any, any dialogue or conversation, uh, they'll put a, a, a no confidence vote on the agenda and they'll they'll pass it without without any real conversation when you try to address the issues that they raise they they don't want to hear them you know so it's kind of we're seeing the same thing right we have people that denied that january 6 occurred right right we have former president trump saying people were hugging and kissing even though you can see the video uh, of people being assaulted and police officers killed um, but you know, if you if you go to Fox News or one of those other conservative uh, mediums, uh, you know, I guess people were hugging and kissing. I, 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 you know, it's 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 mind-boggling. But that's the same thing that we're seeing here. You know, we have not stopped prosecuting violent crime. To the contrary, we're actually shifting more sources to prosecute violent crimes. We're just simply not seeking the death penalty or those extreme punishment that we know that do not work, uh, but they don't talk about that. You know, we have actually right. created the first uh, on the country victims advisory board with with a number of victims of, of very violent crimes who actually want to make sure that we're providing trauma-informed care and they want to rehabilitate the system and they assault those victims. So it's a, you know, it's a, a that's basically where it is. On the other side of the coin, you know, we've got a tremendous amount of community support um, you know, we're getting uh, people across uh, economic and racial lines. We have, uh, you know, labor has uh, really jumped uh, other than, than police labor, of course. Uh, we now have a, a website that is a group that has put together community groups. It's called stanwithgascong.org, and I encourage those that are interested in learning more or supporting to please go to that website. So, you know, we're, we're going to fight hard. The, the first threshold is they need to collect the signatures. They need to have approximately 600,000 valid signatures in L.A. County. Um, and we're going to do everything that we can to, to educate the public and keep them from getting the signatures. If they do get the signatures, then obviously uh, we will fight this. I think it's, there's also an important point here for the public to understand. In the L.A. County, as well as the state of California, it would be almost impossible today for a Republican to get elected uh, for, for a countywide or statewide office. 
the only way that there's a path for them is through a recall, because if you can actually get enough people upset to the current state of affairs through misinformation and they say yes to the recall, then the next option is to, to vote for one of the many people that are there. Obviously, the person that is being the subject of the recall cannot be there. And what we're seeing is we're seeing Republicans stacking the deck. Mm-hmm. And much like we saw with uh, with uh, the the election of Arnold Schwarzenegger years ago, where he got right. elected the first time with about 30% of the vote, you could have the same thing happening either in uh, in, in the state or or certainly in LA County. We we know that, for instance, former District Attorney Steve Cooley has already uh, talked about he would run again uh, because he would qualify to run under a recall setting. So people need to understand. You know, a guy like Steve Cooley could never get elected in L.A. County today. It's just the, the votes are not there for that. But they would be on a, on a recall setting. So so it's important, especially because this election will tend to be low voter turnout. And often a lot of the, the, the younger and progressive voters do not turn out uh, for the selections. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that if it does occur, that we have a, a very high voter turnout. But quite frankly, the first mission is try to educate the public to stop uh, the signature gathering from getting the, the signatures that they need to have. Yeah, that was a really good point you made about uh, basically Republicans trying to bully themselves in in office. And uh, it was a good example you brought up, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right after Governor Gray Davis was recalled. And, right. you know, we hope that uh, more people... Uh, educate themselves and go beneath the surface uh, and not just listen to these signature gatherers word the sound bites and that they use just to get someone to to sign and uh, and to uh, you know I, I think you mentioned the the website which is stand with Gascon correct correct stand with org. yeah stand with org um, for yep. those of you who want to um, get updates and information and see how you can help and support. Um, you know, we just need to all do our part and not wait until election, but actually we can do preventative measures now so that it doesn't have to go there because uh, we finally had a district attorney that we are very proud of and that's doing uh, a lot of great work that so many of us have been asking for so many years. And uh, we also need to fight for that and fight for you. I do want to ask you um, about your recent resignation uh, from the District Attorneys Association and just give you an opportunity to explain how that happened in your decision. Yeah, you know, the, the, the California District Attorney Association is composed of 58 elected district attorneys in the state. And interestingly enough, you have the L.A. District Attorney, for instance, you know, I represent over 10 million people, and you have uh, the District Attorney from a county that has under 100,000 people, and his or her vote is exactly equal to mine. And what we have seen for years, and I saw that when I was a District Attorney in San Francisco for nearly nine years, that the organization is being hijacked by very conservative counties, uh, rural counties, and, and some other people in the uh, in the uh, or, you know the organization, actually, interestingly enough, people think of California being blue. But when you look at the elected DAs around the state, uh, almost all of them, I think there are only three or four that are that are not Republicans, right? I mean, we've seen a couple now 
register as independents as they're trying to run for a race uh, at the state level and trying to disguise what they have been Republicans uh, until recently. So uh, there were several things that really caused my final, uh, uh, you know, decision to resign. One was the uh, the, the, the organization is under investigation for misappropriation of public funds. Mm -hmm. uh, and this had to do with uh, money that the association was receiving to assist in the uh, prosecution in, uh, of environmental crimes and, and the education of environmental crimes and consumer. And instead, they were using some of that money to pay for their basic expenses, including uh, political uh, political activities around opposing reform measures, both at the state level with legislators as well as uh, in other areas. And um, so not only were they keeping money that was intended for the purpose of helping the public, but then they were turning around that money and, and in addition to that, using that money for, for electoral activities to fight reform uh, and thus under investigation. Uh, the other thing, you know, besides the misappropriation of funding, frankly, is their, you know, their, their insistence in, in staying in, in, in a highly carceral world uh, and uh, fighting every single reform effort, you know, supporting the death penalty, supporting putting children in adult prisons, supporting enhancements, uh, you know, just whatever whatever the science and data says about not to do, they, they go the other direction. Right. I, I thought that I just could no longer... Uh, you know, be a dues-paying member to an organization that is so uh, regressive and that doesn't serve the, the, the will of the majority of the people in the state of California. Wow. Well, my hat off to you. It uh, sounds like if something is that dysfunctional, there's no point in staying in there. And uh, especially, you know, with so different from your values and values, obviously, of, uh, you know, L.A. voters who voted for you. Yep. Um, we talked a lot about some of the, the most important issues, um, not just about this attempt of, of a recall, but in general. But if someone is just tuning in, and by the way, uh, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Vic Jarami. And uh, if you haven't been listening, uh, I am uh, speaking with uh, LA District Attorney George Gascon uh, as my guest. And we're talking about uh, just everything related to the district attorney's office. And um, so my next question was going to be, what are, what are like three top issues or top points, bullet points, that people really sh need to know about what you are doing and your vision? Yeah, I would say that if I was going to boil it to, to three things, I would say number one is to ensure that we take a public health approach dealing with community safety and community health. And that means bringing not only police and prosecutors to the table when we're addressing issues of violence and other problems in our community, but it's also bringing public health, it's bringing community activists, it's bringing, um, you know, interventionists, it's bringing academia and research to the work. Uh, it's really shifting from a system that has been based on, on fear-mongering to a system that, that, that uses science and, and brings entire communities together. That's one. Uh, number two, which is actually connected to the first one, is to end systemic racism. There is just absolutely no question, and I think reasonable people 
that may disagree on many other things uh, are clear on the fact that the, the criminal legal system has targeted uh, black and brown people disproportionately for conduct that is often committed in, in other communities and, and that has driven mass incarceration and, and, and quite frankly, uh, the illegitimacy of the system in the eyes of many members of the community. And then I would say that thirdly, that, you know, looking through safety through a public health lens, looking at systemic racism has to uh, address the issue of police accountability and the interplay of mass incarceration and, and you know, the, 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 the all the drivers that, that impact uh, the unfairness and the, the, the you know, the, the disproportionality in our system. Wow. That was well done. That was well done. I mean, who, who can argue with that? You know, I, I know that I'm preaching to the choir, not just you, but uh, most of our listeners. But for those that maybe haven't been as familiar with what's been happening is, at least in the last 25 years or so that I've been sort of conscious uh, as an adult about uh, a lot of our law enforcement issues and high-profile cases and district attorney's office, there have been so many, so many um, issues and problems and challenges that have been inherited by every district attorney. No one's done anything substantial about it. And it reminds me of this the slogan, uh, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So uh, the three bullet points you described are major changes in, in approach and in psychology and in, in uh, our attitude toward things. Uh, of course, racism and uh, uh, you know systematic racism in law enforcement and such. It's it's been such a big part of the fabric of America, not only just LA. And uh, you know, um, I'm I'm very grateful for what you're doing. Uh, you definitely have my support. And uh, Thank you. before we go, George, is there anything that you'd like to add? Maybe perhaps there was a question I should have asked you. You know, Vic, I, I think you covered it all, but I, I think it bears repeating uh, a point that we made earlier. This effort uh, to recall me, uh, as well as what you see around other parts of the state when it deals with progressive district attorney, this is really not about community safety. This is really about punishing, keeping the death penalty, sending children to adult court and then adult prison. But more importantly, this is about a system that has huge economic and political incentives to stay where they are. Uh, in the last 30 years, we built 22 prisons in California in one, one uh, public university. Those prison systems uh, have tremendous economic uh, uh, ecosystems, right? Not only the people that are working in the prison, but all supply systems, uh, every mechanism to build that. That money that goes into the system then, then drives political strength. Um, the increase in policing uh, around our state, the increasing in, in the size of prosecutors' offices, that all builds an economic structure that then feeds a political structure that for for years have dominated the the conversation when we're talking about community safety and misleading the public to continue to feed a system that really is not about safety, but it's about feeding its own economic and, 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 uh, and uh, 
political interest. And I'm not even going into the bail bonds industry and the private prisons, all these other uh, ancillary industries that are heavily uh, vested in maintaining the carceral system that we have. So I think that it's important to understand this recall is not about safety. You're going to hear about, you know, you know, it's about caring for victims. They, they could care less about victims. And in fact, that you know, victims by and large support rehabilitation. Uh, and what we have been doing actually has created more insecurity. I have been in this business for nearly 40 years. I've reduced violent crime in every place that I've worked. L.A. County, uh, before COVID, had a 25% increase in violence, and yet it incarcerated people at rates higher than 57 of the other counties, which is a lot to say because you're peer, you're dealing with very conservative counties. So clearly that doesn't bring safety, but, but the arguments that you hear are arguments that do not want to address this, this glaring facts about how the system is failing, because again, it's an economic and political issue, and they don't want to let go. Yep, it's the it's the prison industrial complex that yep. it's a huge force uh, politically, financially, and uh, the people on top they don't want that compromised. So uh, well said. And uh, once again, uh, if you want to support George, get updates. Um, what not? Please go to standwithgascon.org. Um, and uh, any parting words, George? Vic, thank you so much for the support. Thank you for, uh, to all the listeners. Uh, you know, we're a historic moment, and what we do matters. Uh, it's important that people understand that sitting is not an option. If we're not willing to fight, democracy is fragile, and we are at a point in our history where democracy is in peril, um, whether it's in L.A. County or it's nationally. So I encourage everybody to understand that it's so critical. Yes. That we exercise our, our right uh, to be heard, our right to vote, our right to be involved. Absolutely. Thank you, George, for being on the show. I know you're uh, super busy, to, to say the least. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That was my interview with uh, L.A. District Attorney George Gascon, who in a short time uh, since being in office, he's already made great impact on uh, the LA District Attorney's Office and initiated great reform that's been needed and wanted for decades. Uh, thank you for being on the show, George. I really appreciate your time and good luck to you. The Blunt Post with Vic. Pete Harden is one of Southern California's leading litigators, is a former judge advocate in the U.S. Marine Corps, a combat veteran, a former deputy district attorney, Special Assistant United States Attorney. A few of Pete's top priorities include supporting and holding law enforcement accountable, combating hate crimes, tackling public corruption, addressing racial disparities in the criminal justice system, making environmental justice a public priority, and a lot more. He's running to enhance public safety, heal and restore victims and survivors of crime, and restore integrity and professionalism to the Orange County District Attorney's Office, which is riddled with corruption and scandals under the current District Attorney, Todd Spitzer. Good morning, Pete. Thank you for being on the Blunt Post with uh, Vic this morning. How are you today? Good morning, Vic. I'm outstanding, and I'm very grateful to you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, good to talk to you. It's uh, Orange County is a very important county in the country, uh, perhaps one of the most important, and uh, the, the race that's coming up next year 
the district attorney race for which you are running is also very important because so many people are not happy with uh, with the current district attorney, Todd uh, Spitzer. So um, I'm glad to be talking to you and uh, you know diving right into your your platform and what's on your agenda. Reading about you, I was very excited to to read that uh, you know you're big on. Uh, reforming criminal justice system in Orange County. If you can talk a little bit about that. You bet, Vic. Happy to. Let, let me just start by sort of reiterating something you just said, which is, um, you know, the importance of, of Orange County. Uh, a, a lot of our brothers and sisters, uh, Angelinos, uh, sort of think of us as, as the ugly, uh, ugly stepchild, perhaps, but, uh, <laughs> and that there is that strong orange curtain there. But um, you know, Orange County is the sixth most populous county in the whole country. Uh, we are larger here than, than 21 states, and we've really got an outsized influence on on uh, on our criminal justice system in general. And um, I hope to to lead us in a in a new direction. We've got an exciting opportunity, I think, to to create a, a new sustainable model for for criminal justice reform. Uh, led by someone who believes in reform, uh, and I'll talk about that in a second, but. Uh, who has also served as a prosecutor at, at every level of our criminal justice system. Uh, I've been a Marine Corps officer and a judge advocate. I'm a combat veteran, uh, spent about a year in Afghanistan with a reconnaissance battalion, and uh, I've been a deputy district attorney at our office here as well as a federal prosecutor at the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, I've become concerned throughout my career about uh, the manner in which we uh, we're administering criminal justice and, and policing in, in a lot of ways in this country. And... Um, I think that, uh, you know, in all too many ways, uh, our, our justice system has failed to evolve over the last 30 years since the era of the super predator uh, and sort of uh, chest-thumping, tough-on-crime prosecutors. Um, all of our other professions have, have evolved. I mean, imagine, imagine going to a doctor or hiring an architect or an engineer. Uh, who was still doing business like it was, you know, in the mid-1990s. Well, that's, in a lot of ways, in too many ways, that's what we're doing uh, with our criminal justice system in too many places uh, across the country. Absolutely. No, well said uh, and very detailed. I appreciate that. You know, um, yeah, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And uh, so much hasn't changed in Orange County, and we keep encountering the same issues. But before we go into that, I really want to sort of applaud you for something, and that's your plan to end the death penalty. When I, a lot of times when I'm talking to friends and such and about whatever law or politics, uh, sometimes it just gets down to this. I always say, if we look at the countries around the, uh, around the world with the highest um, standards of living and the happiest people, and this is according to studies, uh, you always encounter uh, Scandinavian countries, Denmark, Norway, mm -hmm. Belgium, Iceland. And not only those nations, but throughout the European Union, death penalty um, has been done away with. And yet we're still sort of struggling with that. But I think your plan is even deeper than, you know, or more detailed than I'm uh, explaining, surely. If you want to uh, speak a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, Vic. I mean, you're absolutely right uh, in, in terms of looking at other countries, but let's look closer to home. I mean, Virginia, a southern state uh, mm -hmm. where, where I did so much of my, my Marine Corps training has 
done away with the death penalty. Uh, California is a leader in this country in so many ways, uh, but we're at risk of, of becoming a follower. Uh, the tide is undoubtedly turning on this, and uh, I'd, I'd like to help us get out in, in front of it. Look, you, you know, the, I'm going to be honest with you. The death penalty was uh, my stance on the death penalty, I should say, was was a tough thing uh, to come to, to to reckon with uh, throughout my life. I, I have struggled with, with different opinions on it because I really believe that, you know, that that need for retribution that, that humans have, uh, a lot of humans have, not everyone, uh, is a. Uh, is, is it's a real thing it's it's part of our dna somehow uh so uh when the brother or sister or or, or a loved one is is murdered uh we, we want to lash out against the against the perpetrator and that is so human um i've you know i've i've, I've been to war and i've i've uh, experienced these things firsthand um that being said you know vic the the, the way that our death penalty system works is is just so broken uh, it really is, and uh, hugely informative to to me has been talking with uh, two individuals, Beth Webb in Huntington Beach, and uh, and Paul Wilson, who's also here in Orange County. They both lost loved ones. Uh, Bethany Webb lost her sister, uh, and her mother was was shot as well, but she recovered. And Paul Wilson lost his wife in the Seal Beach massacre which was the, the worst mass shooting in Orange County history. Right. And, uh, oh. and you know, I had lunch uh, last week with, with Paul, and he said, Pete, you know, if you had asked me that, 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 that day that it happened and that week that it happened, what I want, what, 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 what I wanted to happen uh, to, to Scott DeCry, the, uh, the uh, individual who, who, who perpetrated that mass murder, he said, I, I, you know, I wanted him dead. But in the, through the decade plus that I have gone through, of trials and appeals uh, where everything is uncertain and I have to relive uh, the victimization over over and over again. It, it, it's just a broken system and I, I want to be able to let it go and rest in peace knowing that that man is going to spend the rest of his life uh, give him a life sentence uh, but give him life without uh, the possibility of parole. That's very um, brave. Admirable. It's all it's also important, though, to look, and, and I also want to say that I, I, I don't speak for all survivors. I, I, I want to make that very clear, and I respect that everyone may have a, a different opinion, um, and reasonable minds can entirely differ on this. I, I, I really get that. Um, it's also extremely important to look at the fiscal aspect of this, though, Vic. Uh, since 1978, when the death penalty was uh, reimposed in California, we spent over $300 million uh, on, on, on this system. There's 750 people on death row. Uh, we put 13 of them to death since 1978 at the staggering cost of $300 million. That, it's so staggering that wow. it's hard to imagine the things that we could do with that money. Uh, it's hard to imagine the programs that we could put in place uh, to prevent some of these disturbed individuals from ever having committed the crimes uh that they did in the first place uh yeah well so, you know so, someone has to pay for the the prison industrial complex absolutely right and, and it's it's all coming out of our, our our pockets um and uh a lot of my job as a as a candidate here and and it will be as uh as our future da if i'm fortunate enough to be elected is to help people understand uh, that uh, we should be diverting those resources to the things that we know reduce crime, like strong public school education, job placement programs, 
um, after-school programs, uh, drug and alcohol treatment programs. Uh, those are the things we know reduce crime and enhance our public safety, uh, not keeping people uh, on death row at that staggering cost. Absolutely. Uh, those of you who are just joining us, uh, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. Uh, I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and I'm speaking with uh, Pete Harden, who is, uh, you know, his resume is, is very impressive. He is a former judge advocate in the U.S. Marine Corps. He is a combat veteran. He's a former deputy district attorney and a special assistant to the U.S. attorney uh, and, a, and a leading uh, litigator in California, and he's running for Orange County's uh, district attorney. So uh, thank you for joining in. Uh, Pete, next thing I want to talk to you about is Orange County's sort of history, if you will, with the LGBTQ community. 20, 25, maybe 30 years ago, um, South Orange County especially had a pretty vibrant uh, LGBTQ community, especially in Laguna Beach. Uh, and it thinned out and thinned out, and uh, now it's really not that significant. And there is this, you know, this, you know, we talk about Orange County all the time that it's just not a very LGBTQ-friendly county. Uh, hate crimes uh, or anti-LGBTQ hate crimes have gone up 24% in Orange County, and. Uh, uh, Todd Spitzer has certainly not been a friend to our community. And so I'd like to sort of get your perspective on that and your plans and what do you think? Yeah, absolutely, Vic. I'm, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Um, you know, I want to make sure that Orange County is, is a more uh, inclusive and supportive community across the board for all of the diverse residents that we have here. And this really is uh, one of the most diverse counties in, in the country, uh, although in a lot of ways, uh, we're, we're segregated between different uh, the, the different communities with Orange County. But let me let me start by just saying that uh, you're absolutely right. Our, our current district attorney has just an abysmal record on uh, on uh, supporting our LGBTQ plus community, dating back to, to his time in the state assembly. Uh, he sought to codify discrimination against uh, the community. Uh, he voted to allow sexual orientation based discrimination by the state. Um, he voted against legalizing same-sex marriage. I mean, I mean, that should say it all. The highest score he ever received from Equality California while in the state assembly was 22%, uh, and the lowest score was 0%. Uh, then move on to his time as county supervisor. He defended a county partnership with an anti-LGBTQ plus uh, community. And then, you know, much more recently, since he's been elected, uh, it's just been staggering. Uh, you know, over the past year, we've seen a, hor a horrifying increase in, in heinous hate crimes across uh, the country, certainly. Uh, but Orange County is, is no different, and it has been worse here than it has been uh, throughout the state. You know, uh, as, as you mentioned, hate crimes have increased by 24 percent here, uh, even as the state reported an 8.3 percent decrease in hate crimes during uh, the same period. Uh, significantly, the Orange County Human Relations Board uh, has, uh, informs us that 23% of hate crimes reported are due to sexual orientation and uh, and gender identity. So, uh, you know, we, we've got a DA who loves to get himself in, in front of the TV cameras uh, and, and headlines and talk about this stuff, but uh, hasn't done anything about it. You know, it took... Uh, took him over a year into this this awful year where we've we've seen uh, this rise in hate crimes 
to finally stand up uh, a hate crimes unit with, within the Orange County DA's office. Um, and of course, he's been all over the news talking about it. Um, but prosecuting hate crimes is the easy part. Uh, adding hate crime uh, enhancements, that's the easy part, Vic. Uh, we've, we've got to elect leaders throughout Orange County, not, not, not just at the DA's office, who are going to stand up Talk about the importance of reporting of hate crimes, the impact uh, that hate crimes have uh, on the community. Uh, work with law enforcement to uh, create different approaches uh, to uh, working with uh, the LGBTQ plus community and recognizing the challenges uh, that that community faces and then coming up with smart solutions. And uh, I've got some ideas I'm, I'm excited to implement uh, around all that. I like that. And also, I think people, everything trickles down from the leaders of, you know, in this case, Orange County, uh, so that, what's the word I want to use? You know, bigots uh, are not emboldened and enabled when these bigots see that their leaders are are lax and, uh, you know, they're not really doing their job. It emboldens them, and therefore they're, they're more hate crimes, you know, toward not just LGBTQ, but uh, other minorities also. In fact, um, there was a an assault case just recently, uh, a few days ago, um, against two uh, trans women um, in Orange County. And, uh, you know, in this case, uh, you know, the, it was the Huntington, Huntington Beach police uh, arrested two trans women for assault and uh, but neglected to include in their report that the victims uh, had earlier uh, harassed and hit the two women <laughs> uh, whom one of the two officers referred to as a, a derogatory name for transgender women. Uh, and all of this is still developing, but um, I'm sure you know about this case and uh, want to sort of get your take on it. And uh, uh, what do you think about this? Because it just seems very serious that so much, uh, I mean, even the officers have admitted that um, they did all of this and they failed on their report and such. I, I do know about the case, Vic, uh, and, and it's, it, it's sad. Uh, that it happened in the first place, but it, it, you know, to me, it's terrifying that uh, the, the the officer didn't uh, you know didn't properly report this stuff, and uh, the DA's uh, our current district attorney's that it's failure to uh, address this stuff again. He's you know he's happy to to publish op-ed articles about you know hate having no place in Orange County, but then when something like this happens and. Uh, I mean, this was, let's make no mistake about it. A hate crime against uh, uh, trans women was committed. And uh, instead of the, the perpetrators being arrested, uh, well, you know what? I should back up, Vic. Uh, I, shouldn't go, I shouldn't go that far. I should say, from what I can tell, uh, it appears that a hate crime against uh, trans women uh, may have been committed. I, I'm, I know I'm getting all, all lawyerly about it and, and, <laughs> and hedging there, and I know that frustrates people, but I don't have all the evidence in front of me. But from reading this article, it, it's, it appears clear the, the officer uh, admitted on the stand that one of the trans women involved uh, was punched on the side of the head, suffered uh, significant swelling on the side of her head, uh, was pushed down onto the ground, and uh, one of the perpetrators stood over her and uh, taunting her as she uh, tried to stand up the the force that the the trans woman or women used in this place may well uh, in this case that is may well have been uh, in self-defense we we don't know and uh you know hopefully the 
a trial brings this out to light. But it is very concerning that the officer didn't include that information in his report. And but for a, uh, a savvy uh, public defender who, who brought this out during the preliminary hearing, I'm not sure we, we ever would have known that. And um, the district attorney himself should be out in front of this stuff. Uh, and he, he's just failed to do that. Uh, but go, going back to kind of what we talked about before in terms of, uh, you know, not, not just prosecution, but having leaders across the spectrum to talk about these things, you know, deterrence theory, the, the research and data on how law enforcement, uh, law enforcement officers and prosecutors can actually deter crime. It tells us pretty clearly that a, a tough prosecutorial appro approach does little to actually deter future hate crimes. So uh, we've got to take a new uh, approach here, one built on community engagement, education, uh, and trust. And uh, as I mentioned, we could we could talk for hours about this stuff, and I'm happy to get into any of it, but I've, I've got some, uh, some smart ideas about how to accomplish this. Wow. Well, it's good to hear, and thank you for your analysis of, of this specific case. So in terms of your campaign, give us some updates um, and then, you know, what's happening, what's important, and then follow that up with a call to action or just let us know how people can get in touch with you and help you however they can. Thanks, Vic. Yeah, so we, we launched our campaign on March 16. So we're, what, coming up on four months into this, and we are off to a fantastic start. Uh, we've uh, raised a significant amount of money so far. I think we've uh, broken a record uh, up to the June 30th reporting deadline. Uh, but it's going to take a lot. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of fundraising left to do. And uh, unfortunately, I am uh, finding out firsthand that uh, politics really is uh, about money because that's what it takes to uh, get your your, uh, your message out and uh, to be able to affect change in the first place. Um, so we're off to a fantastic start there. We've earned endorsements from uh, several of our community leaders, including um, Congressman Mike Levin from, from South County, uh, Congressman uh, Harley Ruda, who yes. uh, we were hoping to, to get reelected. And I spoke last week with Congressman Alan Lowenthal, who uh, I'm very honored uh, has endorsed me. We have yet to get that up on our website, uh, but that's terrific. And, and, you know, equally important to me have been endorsements from our local elected officials. So city council folks and school board folks, uh, because those are the ones that really help me get out into the community and listen to concerns. I'm I'm happy to talk about my background and my positions on the issues all day long, but a lot of that, you, you know, you can get from the website. Um, I want this campaign to be more about listening than, than it is about talking, because I think there are so many communities, uh, especially our less affluent communities and communities of color in Orange County who have never had a voice in, in our criminal justice and, and policing system. And I think it's, I think it's high time that that changes um, across the country, uh, but certainly in a, in a community like Orange County. Um, so let's see what else. Um, well, before you continue, we, and I'll let you think about that. Let me just do a station ID. Um, if you're right. just joining us, uh, this is the Blunt Post with Bitcoin, KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and I am speaking with um, the gentleman who will hopefully become the next uh, Orange County uh, District Attorney, Pete Harden. Pete is a, uh, is a combat um, veteran. He is uh, a former judge advocate in the U.S. Marine Corps, Deputy District Attorney, Special Assistant to the U.S. Attorney, 
and he is uh, running, as I said, for the Orange County District Attorney's Office. And I was just about to ask Pete about uh, you know anything important coming up in his campaign and call to action and how people can get in touch with him. Yeah, so we're going to have a, a bunch of events coming up that we'll post on our on our website. We're looking forward to organizing events throughout uh, throughout Orange County, of course, and reaching out to our broader Southern California community. We'll have that on our website. Um, I want your listeners to feel free to reach out and share the concerns uh, and ideas they have. You can reach us at info at peteharden.com. Uh, that's our website, peteharden.com. Um, call, in terms of a call to action, uh, a couple of a couple of different things. First of all, you know we've got to spread the word about this campaign uh, and the ideals that we stand for uh, through social media. Uh, people often talk about you know earn, getting followers on social media. Well, I don't want followers. I want leaders. Um, come like come check out what, what what we're doing on social media. But uh, significantly, I, I'd like to ask folks to to, to spread the word, uh, comment on the things we put out retweet, uh, repost, uh, so that we can reach a, a broader audience about this message. You know, it's going to be a tough race against the guy who's probably Orange County's most entrenched uh, politician who's facing a lawsuit and uh, potential investigation for uh, criminal behavior, for public corruption, pay-for-play type, uh, type behavior. Uh, we don't know whether we'll be facing you know, police officer association uh, opposition and, and that, that type of serious money that comes with that. But uh, it's, it's going to be a tough race. So fundraising is also incredibly important to us. Check out our website. And if you, if you like what we have to say, there's a donate button there. And I'd be grateful for your listener support. And that's PeteHarden.com. Yes, sir. P-E-T-E-H-A-R-D-I-N.com. Pete, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I feel like we could have spoken, <laughs> chatted for like hours. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, please come back and uh, give us updates and uh, good luck. The pleasure is all mine, Vic. Thank you for having me. I'd be delighted to come back anytime. That was my interview with Pete Harden, who is a candidate to be Orange County's next district attorney. A very important position and a very important race next year. Uh, a lot of people in Orange County are very enthusiastic and I've galvanized uh, around him. So uh, thank you, Pete, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic and good luck to you. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible. And KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. Blunt Post with Vic.